0: Welcome to Sisters in Stoke. I'm your host, Megan Burks, a certified professional coach specializing in ADHD and embodiment practices, steel mace flow enthusiast, and recovering perfectionist whose life has been guided, for better or for worse, by the motto, Let's Fuck Around and Find Out. On this podcast, I interview women and those who identify as women who have done just that, and whose honesty, bravery, vulnerability, and curiosity have helped them find their stoke, the thing that lights them up and has shaped their relationship with their body, their spirit, and the world around them. I share the stories that inspire me so that you too can find your stoke. Welcome back to the Sisters in Stoke podcast. I am your host, Megan Burks, and I am literally vibrating with excitement about today's guest (laughs) and the conversation that we're going to have. First of all, I want to acknowledge this is probably like a part one, because I don't think there's any way that we can keep this
1: conversation
0: to one episode. Today's guest. Oh, there's going to be more. Oh, yeah, there's going to be heaps more. Azima Azmi is a multidimensional embodiment coach specializing in mindful movement and emotional autonomy. Originally from Singapore, she is now based in San Diego, California, serving people all over the world. Her passion for guiding others into empowerment began from growing up in a fitness-centric family. And over the years, this has evolved into guiding people to free themselves from various manifestations of pain. She has put together the mechanisms and tools that have helped her over the past 15 years in battling depression, disordered eating, chronic anxiety, OCD, addiction, and sexual trauma through a self-inquiry practice that she shares with her clients to ultimately guide them home to themselves, just as she has found her way. Many of our conversations end with the acknowledgement, I don't know shit about fuck. She's also the originator of one of my favorite mantras, which is sometimes you just can't unpickle a pickle. Her chaos matches my chaos. Her heart matches my heart. She can meet me in all of my mess, in case it is not obvious. I love this woman, Azima welcome to the show and tell me what are you stoked
1: about uh (laughs) thank you for the intro by the way it's like this love bomb and I didn't (laughs) want to stop but (laughs) (laughs) and I actually have an extra line um on top of uh you can't unpickle this pickle and that is would you like to tickle the pickle yeah anyway <laughs> i'm stoked on <laughs> anyway I'm, I'm stoked on i'm stoked on being the creatrix slash also fucking around and finding out yeah Fafo. Fafo. <laughs> <Hashtag Fafo. laughs>
0: which for those of you who have listened to previous episodes uh that is how i choose my guests for this show is people that have just fucked around and found out uh, and who aren't scared to talk about the sometimes very bad things that happen mm-hmm. when we fuck around. But what we're going <laughs> to talk about today is the process. Hell yeah. For moving through all that shit, through the periods of having to wait. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of an inside joke there. We'll probably explain it at some point. hmm. I'm stoked to have you here today and as I was saying to you before we started recording I was really nervous this morning which felt very odd like I was like why am I nervous to be talking to someone who has become one of my dearest friends in the entire fucking universe and I realize that it's because every time you and I have an exchange which is pretty frequent there's something that I take away from it and you have become such an important person in my life with the ability to hold space for me to kick my ass sometimes to encourage me to ask questions and I'm like I want to I want to share all of that with everybody who listens to this and Once I acknowledged that, I was like, and I can just sit in a complete space of trust that this conversation will find the people that need to find this conversation. Uh So let's start at the very beginning, not really, but kind of. For people who aren't familiar with you Uh and your work, it has been quite the trip to get to where you are now and who you are now in this world. So can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing your cultural background you know coming from this fitness centric family and that that process of unfurling and evolving into this powerful creatrix
1: oh. that's sitting here with me today oh boy thank you <laughs> thank you for setting that up so nicely um where do i even begin uh oh. Well, I hail from the land of Singapore (laughs) and who I was or what I experienced myself as, as a young kid navigating the world is the complete opposite of where I am right now. So it's super wild to even look back and bring that back up because it's like who is that girl (laughs) you know but so Mm. I've always known myself or in the past that's all I ever knew about myself is this shy timid quiet girl ultra sensitive ultra um Mm. reserved I would be in a fantasy either in fantasy land in my head or nightmare land in my head it could be fantasies of rainbows and butterflies and unicorns pooping glitter, or um, it could also be nightmares. There was more nightmares. I literally remember um, recurring dreams as a kid of being so afraid um, of Bugs and insects that would just appear in the corners of my room, and I'd be so afraid of the dark. I believe I slept with a nightlight till I was about maybe fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I knew I was always this ultra sensitive girl. I had trouble making friends. Um, I had trouble connecting with people. I never really trusted people other than my parents um up to a certain point yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then um yeah i always I, I remember most of my childhood i was super afraid of so many things even though there was this other part of me that was very i knew it was very wild um she would play in the bushes and <laughs> roll around dirt and there stories anecdotes from my family, um, where they've discovered me eating things I shouldn't be eating, like little lizards and um, stuff that I've found on the ground. But anyway, I grew up in a fitness centric household. Like I said, my dad had, you know, was it served in military for over 20 years and then he left that to pursue a career in fitness and he opened up a few little boutique gyms all around Singapore and those literally became my playgrounds too um mm-hmm. I always had this close relationship with my dad and I grew up with two brothers um two older brothers and before my younger sister came around I would always be playing with my brother so I'm used to you know um that boyish <laughs> kind of childhood I, would, I always saw myself as this tomboy um rough house a lot i would be the dummy that they practiced here wrestle, wwf wrestling <laughs> moves on and i would fucking love it <laughs> you know they do like yeah. slams and people people's elbows and f5s on me uh when my mom was looking and, <laughs> and <laughs> i love that I always saw myself as more of a tomboy. And so I always just kind of gra- gravitated towards what my dad was doing. Um, so the gym was literally my playground. All the cable machines, those were my bungee cords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I would like, play around in the gym. Um, and that just became a normal part of my life, right? Movement and training taking care of your body and I think sometime in my adolescence in my teen years that's where I began to kind of separate from my dad um, a lot more Uh, as I was stepping into womanhood too right as like puberty was hitting and all the hormones began to surge and I began getting interested in boys and being seen as more than just the this tomboy um, I think, too, maybe following some, some sticky situations with my dad that led me to like distance myself. I um, began leaning into other expressions. I get, got interested in exploring my creative side, and that's why I went to school in film and media studies in Singapore. Um did more mass communication stuff and kind of it kind of awakened this desire in me to to lean into more my more creative expression. Yeah, um, but then at a certain point, I think and this is only a discovery that I only came to maybe last year. i I, I made a pivot from that creative expression that I was super fired up about like, Oh, I could finally express myself and through this work and through these artistic pursuits and like film and design work and writing. Um, I took a hard turn back into fitness um, because the situation called for me to step in, to help out my dad in, you know, uh, navigating some of his financial struggles Um And so everything that I began to do, everything from my academics, from um, my career path, just leaned hard into fitness. Um, So I I remember I was working as an intern doing copywriting in an advertising agency. And then one day I just decided, you know what, (laughs) I'm going to try out this bodybuilding journey uh yeah by the time i had i had leaned into fitness for a few years as a result of like you know overcoming bulimia and you know okay i adopted a more healthy approach to eating understanding my body understanding how to train myself so that you know I feel good in my body and also I look good with all these muscles showing up And I'm like you know what I'm going to push it a little bit further and explore the world of bodybuilding Uh, I did that for a few years until I realized oh man (laughs) I was just switching out one obsession for another Um, yeah another form of control um, to another and and that led me to bodybuilding but then I realized that I don't even really like this shit, like <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> like being so restricted and um obsessive about my eating and my training patterns for like, let's say, like six months to prep for a show, and then I'm on stage for like three minutes, yeah, and I, yeah. you know, I'm pretty much just like walking around on stage and posing and the funny thing is even though I'm like lean as fuck you're seeing all these muscles pop out of my body and you know I discover muscles I didn't even know I had when I'm in that like leanness what like eight nine percent body fat or something or maybe a little bit more um that's like my weakest state and there's something in me that felt like that was just Not in my full integrity to be kind of uh, presenting myself as. And so then that led me to powerlifting. I'm like, you know what? I have all these muscles to show on a stage that looks really pretty. But I can't. I'm fucking weak. Let me learn to get really strong. And so that led me to finding a powerlifting coach. His name is Endon. Um, coach and then Kadir if you're listening I love you forever but (laughs) he taught me all the ways (laughs) like how to properly lift stuff right because in bodybuilding um, you're doing lots of like isolated movements yep you know for the purpose of building muscles and for aesthetics but in powerlifting you're learning to use your entire body as a unit to move weight right in squats bench and deadlifts and that Looked simple enough for me. Um, I loved getting into the programming bit, the obviously picking heavy shit up and putting them down because that felt yeah. really cool to be able to do that. And then I would say I did that for about two two years as well. I did that uh, competitively. And then again, I got to a point where sure, I got to collect some medals and then I felt like something... Was off. I, I noticed that I was still continuing to chase something. And <laughs> whenever I got it, it felt like this happiness or the sense of like fulfillment just disappeared into <laughs> thin air. I'm mm-hmm. like, what is this? And then somewhere along the way, I, I discovered jujitsu, right? By the time I was working at a mega gym that also had a cage and Oftentimes when I'm working, there would be people working out and using the cage and instead of boxing or whatever, they would be grappling. I had no idea what the what the hell that was. Yeah, I had seen um, maybe clips of you know UFC and MMA and all that stuff. I never really knew what it was about, but it did draw me. There was something about that that primal energy when you see uh, two people grappling yeah instead of trying to like strangle the shit out of each other or fuck up each other's joints. it was just so beautiful and there's something so primal in it that you know I had to fuck around and find out <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> exactly I, so I began asking questions, asking people, learn more about it and soon enough, I've you know went into went into a martial arts school and discovered that I really fucking loved rolling around um and expressing movement in much more dynamic non-linear ways and so I'm like oh and then I realized how much of that linear up and down movement was not really helpful for <laughs> my jiu-jitsu and that just you know inspired the movement nerd in me to want to learn more about that. But but the funny thing is because I was coming from like this desire to just wanna do 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 more, more, more. I wanna, you know, soon after I learned a little bit of jiu-jitsu, I was like, yeah, I'll fucking compete in jiu-jitsu too. Let me get a medal for that too. Yeah, uh, I remember as I was preparing for a powerlifting meet. It was supposed to be Asia Oceana championships and we were in the peaking phase of our um programming i decided to do a jiu-jitsu competition too as a white belt um in peaking week even though my coach tells me azima your nervous system is going to be fucked please don't compete (laughs) you can train and you know explore it but don't compete because that's going to take a toll on your nervous system and obviously Azima being Azima, it's like, nah, <laughs> I'm gonna do what I want, <laughs> I don't believe you, um, and then, yeah, so I did the competition, it was wild, The first time I ever experienced that, like, adrenaline dump, yeah, <sighs> it so it's weird. massive, I remember, <laughs> I remember my first match, Megan, I remember my first match in jiu-jitsu, I was so, like, flustered. I I I remember I probably like smoked weed. It was like a weird weed too. They gave me weird responses. (laughs) And then I showed up late. I showed up late. I didn't even know this venue. I showed up late all like flustered. And then my first match suddenly I'm on on the competition mat in front of my opponent and like this adrenaline dump. I can't feel my hands or my fingers. I don't know what's going on. I can't hear anything i look at my opponent i don't know what where she's looking at because she's cross-eyed and so i'm freaking out like which 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 part of me is she looking at she look at my sleeve she look at my lapel but anyway (laughs) long story short i ended up getting bronze medals um for both gi and no gi uh came back to singapore because i did the competition in vietnam uh i came back to Singapore. A couple of days later had a lifting session and my back broke. Yeah. <laughs> my back broke. And I'm just thinking of Mike Tyson final. Um <laughs> and so my my body essentially said no, like gave me a hard no that I couldn't Wait, even lift postpone. an MP. Yes. No. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah exactly I'm Like it's just like bitch stop please and I couldn't lift an empty bar and coming from you know you're used to lifting 120 kilos and rep- repping that out and then you know 20 kilo bar just you can't yeah. your body's saying no to that that was a huge slap in the face um, then that forced me to completely step away from both lifting and Jiu-jitsu, and I'm like, well, shit, I'm only like in my early twenties. Does this mean that I'm not gonna be able to like live forever? Um, and that led me into GMB fitness, the apprenticeship that essentially I would say I would even be wild enough to say that it kind of saved my life. Because that was the yeah. first time that I've ever experienced like learning how to be with my body. Yeah. Um, and actually listening to it what you know I couldn't even sit still in meditation for three minutes and um, I believe that that was the only way that you know I could get myself to be with myself albeit you know through movement right I had to essentially relearn how to use my body yeah. Um, and it started with you know lots of animal movements crawling. There was some you know this was this was the first time I began listening to the voices in my head telling me that I'm not good enough or that I suck because I'm experiencing this and this pain. I should be better than this. This was the first time I had to confront these things. It was th- and it was simply just through slowing the fuck down and being with um myself through movement and experiencing really really feeling in my body what was happening right um and I think that changed the whole trajectory of my relationship to my body because then for the first time as I began to listen and the more that I listened the more that I wasn't trying to escape the messages from my body Mm. like the healing the recovery just like It just happened. Like I didn't even need external sources. Sure, I've had some, you know, help with like dry needling and physio, but in the time in between, all I had was me. Um, and so in whatever that I was doing, I was mindful of my body, and I think it was like six months of doing so, and I went back to jujitsu. And it was the the cool thing about it was like it's as if I never left. It's like it's easy. It was. It became super easy for me to understand what the instructor was showing and demonstrating and being able to apply it right away because of that knowing within my body that, oh, I've spent yeah. so much time just being with my body, exploring all these different funky shapes and positions that my body feels safe <laughs> in those movements, that I'm able to kind of be present and come alive in a training session. Even though these movements, these techniques are still pretty new for me. But my body has recognized those movements as safety. And then... Light bulb flashes. <laughs> light bulb in my head going like, oh shit. This is me literally expanding what feels safe in my body. Yeah. And I thought that was really fucking cool. Because then... You know, my performance in jiu-jitsu, my skill acquisition, just stacked up. And um, I would look at some of even like the higher belts and their ability to understand and apply their movements. And I'm like, oh, how come I have an easier time doing this than, you know, compared to them? And it would be, you know, that. I created safety in my body by spending a lot of time just listening and, you know, playing. (laughs) Because when we're in play mode, your nervous system, uh, and this is what I experienced for myself, it's like, I get to be in a place where my nervous system is regulated. I'm not worried about laundry. I'm not worrying about uh, my money situation. I'm not worrying about, you know, boy drama. I'm in the moment. I'm in presence. And that's where the best learning happens. I'm not worried about this pain that had, you know, I'm not worried about my back seizing up on me because I've spent yeah. X amount of time being within, understanding when, you know, what my threshold is, when, when when it's too much, I know when to back away. So in a lot of ways, I develop this like deep trust within my body and that carried me through for i mean i'm still practicing a lot of the animal movements today that's still a consistent um part of my practice and listening to my body and moving mindfully but what was interesting in that over the years as things in my life began to shift right my and this was I think a shaking off of that old, like, oh, I got to do, 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 have more of this, have more of that, um, my relationships begin to shift as well. As I began diving deeper into connecting with myself and my body's wisdom, um, it got to a point where um, I was realizing how dysfunctional uh, my relationships were especially my close relationships um my partner at the time and um you know at the time i'd constantly be cheating on my relationships i was you know i couldn't stay with just one person i'd hide behind their back i'd be talking to other people and you know getting lost in all kinds of fantasy because from that same energy of like more is more i gotta have more yeah. This place of scarcity that um, I gotta collect all these experiences and 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 get from people because I couldn't really I didn't know what it's like to create that within myself um, and I remember it was a time when yeah I was with my ex boyfriend for like three years or something. And then I went on a trip to Thailand, uh, without my ex boyfriend. Without my ex boyfriend because he had to work. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I already knew that. You know, I wasn't like passionately in the relationship. I already knew that I was in the relationship out of obligation because we had been with each other for X amount of time. There was a situation. Um you know, where he needed to get a major surgical procedure done. And I went through the whole process of sitting at a table with him and his mom and writing out his will. And so that was the obligation that I had to Mm. be there, you know, because you know, because otherwise who would be there for him. Um but so I went to Thailand. That's where I met Eric, my now husband, (laughs) when I when I Dropped into Thailand, we hung out, and hooking up, and then I remember, like, going back to Singapore, and then he asked this question of, like, are you still with your ex? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I thought you knew that. And then he was like, no. <laughs> I thought you were here alone because you guys had broken up. And I think this, cause, this is because this was following a conversation that we had in person about you know how people tend to settle in relationships and yeah <laughs> we got so deep into that conversation and then it's him asking me this question well are you being honest with yourself that made me realize oh shit I was having that conversation unknowingly talking about me um <laughs> and I realized how like no it's I have never, I haven't been honest with myself in this relationship that I was in with my ex boyfriend, and so that question just got my head spinning, and you know, called um, forth the desire for me to begin living in integrity and getting honest with the people around me, and you know that relationship, after I communicated to him that I just needed to take a step back and get right with myself like that relationship we began to separate and um that I think kind of spearheaded more of this journey because following that breakup right I had to come get really honest with the ways that I had been hiding um all the times that I was dishonest to my partner um and then in the process, also like the friends that we had made as a couple also began kind of like fading away. One person will take sides, and all these kind of th- kinds of things. But those things ultimately led me towards this journey of discovering myself underneath all these layers of the of the me that I thought that I should be. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and here we are.
1: And here we are, you know, and um, further than I've ever thought was possible.
0: And committed to that, you know, yeah. and first of all, I love that. I just learned a whole heap of new shit about you, <laughs> you know, um, because we haven't actually known each other a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: when we connected, so I'd been following her online. She was Muscle Cat, which I thought was really fun. And I'd been following you very much from the the kind of GMB perspective. I was at a place where I was really looking at shifting my relationship with my body. Uh, I was having a lot of pain. I have a lot of old injuries from dance and sport and things that I hadn't rehab properly. And then my own personal journey with relationship to self relationship to body and movement was kind of evolving at the same time that yours was and so Mm. it became this really beautiful thing for me to kind of watch you expanding into this while I was feeling it in my own life and then I worked one-on-one with you Mm. and within those you know and I I went in With expectation, as I do with everything, even though I'm like I don't have any expectations. My body's like, yeah, you do, uh, you know. And I was like, I want my bear crawl to look like this, and I want to be able to do this movement. Then I had this whole set of physical literacy skills that I wanted to develop, and that's not what happened. Because what I actually needed in that moment, and you saw it, and I saw it, was that when we met together, what I actually needed was to lay on the floor and wiggle around and smear. I had to (laughs) me the cream juice all over the floor and that was really like that that kind of movement for me is actually harder than working with a coach who's like hands on the bar get it up get it up come on you know with (laughs) a clock going because when I slow down and allow this stillness I can't hide from myself Mm -hmm. and fuck me if that's not like the most uncomfortable thing ever because when we move you know your trajectory was I think what we see often in this space is women who went from a relationship with their body that was about aesthetics right how did it look what size do you wear are your abs visible what's your percentage of body fat they often have that experience of coming from a really screwed up relationship with their body and then getting into like like for me it was getting into crossfit and I had like I had to eat more when I was crossfitting because otherwise I would like faint because of you know I was working really hard but then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, maybe I should do two CrossFit sessions a day. And like, oh, maybe if it, you know, and so I'm bringing, you're bringing all that crap from our previous relationship into this new relationship with ourself. Mm-hmm. Then we move the focus from aesthetics to performance. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, I just want to be strong. I just, but we're still doing the same thing. Oh, what did I lift? We, you know, we're logging our numbers. Yeah. We're like getting real technical about the things we're trying to control everything.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Then, even, and then, even. How that's like seen on like a post or whatever, like what number is on the plate? Yeah, and like scrolling in seen. on people's I plates. I don't like it, I'm going to flip it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like and, like and
1: like scrolling in on people's plates to be like, there's 220
0: kilo plates. Like how much is she? You know, all of well, that. Do that. And then we move to the expression. And the expression part is what I think is really terrifying for women.
1: Oh.
0: Because when you really, really drop into that, vulnerably you are committing to FAFO you are gonna fuck around and find out because Mm -hmm. I can sit here and you can be like how are you feeling and I can tell you all these big words and I can make it up but the answer I get when you're like how are you feeling in your body like if I took a second to drop it into it right now that's often a mismatch between what the words are saying coming out of my head and recognizing that dishonesty in ourselves and betrayal which is a big heavy word but i'm going to use it because that's what it is when we have this awareness and we have this knowledge and we continue to make choices that are not in alignment with what our body is asking us to honor
1: it's like gaslighting yourself right
0: it is right like we are like oh no you're fine you're fine you're fine you're fine no that doesn't
1: hurt no No, my body's like I'm
0: tired you're not drinking any water you don't need another coffee and I'm just like okay like (laughs) (laughs) half the time right and I can acknowledge that and so with you because something that I really love about the work that you're expanding into now is looking at relationships and looking at intimacy but really starting with our relationship with ourselves. and the reason that that's so powerful is because that's actually like the only relationship in the entire world that we actually can really have a lot of sway over obviously uh-huh. there's a ripple effect it affects our relationships with everybody else But when you started to move into this expression and giving yourself this freedom to play. And then I know that the next layer for you was starting to dive into the expression of sensuality
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and sexuality and really Mm -hmm. recalibrating your relationship with that from a cellular level from the inside out in a very patient way which like if you take nothing else from this conversation what people can walk away with is like this shit takes time (laughs) you have to give it time but like also it doesn't because like it takes time in the moment and I feel like I'm not getting anywhere but then when I actually look at how things have changed just in the last six months or a year or I'm like holy crap like it's a totally different life so when you started to move so you've got this expression right so you're like okay body I'm gonna listen to you and all of a sudden your pussy pipes up and it's like oh hey remember me (laughs) and you're like oh okay well I actually haven't like how did you dive into that
1: that layer
0: was it scary
1: so it was years of mindful movement exploration and like you know me knowing my body from the inside out but what I realized And this was following, you know, uh, one of the many dark nights of the soul. (laughs) Nights, everyone. It's a plural. (laughs) Let's
0: just remember that. There's so many.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Many, many S's. Um, So I I would say it's like maybe year two of my relationship with Eric. And (laughs) we had this wild idea hey why don't we try out this open relationship dynamic and kind of see where this takes us um neither of us knowing what that actually entails um honestly like to me and i can say this honestly now because i've made peace with this i was like you know i'm just that just means i get to fuck more or (laughs) or i get to more people (laughs) and like do it openly without hiding um and i did not realize the selfishness in that um and i did not realize how it was also coming from a place of lack uh for myself in my experience right obviously there are other people who you know take on polyamory and all this stuff in like healthy ways but for me in my experience at the time it wasn't right uh I believe I jumped into it because like, I don't know, I think for me it made sense because like, oh yeah, in the past I couldn't really be with one person. I did not know at the time that that was just me being terrified of fucking real intimacy. Um, and so I thought, yeah, why not? Why, why don't we jump into this? And then, you know, Eric had an experience with somebody and I experienced like really intense jealousy uh, because I didn't have the tools to work through my emotional stuff. Um, well, I didn't know how to process that stuff emotionally. So instead, I stuffed it down like I normally do and then put on this mask of what I thought Eric wanted me to be and pretended that I was okay with it. But that shit ended up bubbling inside of me. And, you know, I ended up also you know, having interactions and experiences with people uh, but coming from this kind of revenge place. Like, you know, I'll show him <laughs> you know, I could do this better. <laughs> you know? I'll be the most polyamorous um, poly person you've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. You want to hope? I'll be the hoest hope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, there was this this one point where okay, we were still figuring out our, like, boundaries and everything, we we're still figuring out communication, we were not very good communicators at the time, and so, um, and I was very testy, because I was still coming from the energy of, like, hurt, but it's unexpressed, <laughs> and it was still, like, leaking out of me, and I had, you know, overstepped a very, hard boundary that eric had set uh i you know i remember i went on like a work trip and had essentially like a sex bender with somebody where i completely just disconnected from my phone and eric was like worried sick and um I basically crossed that line by just going silent and ghosting him just so that I could get my fix or I could get my high. And I wasn't going to take no for an answer. Uh, even though he was trying to talk some sense into me, like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that mindset, I just needed to get my fix. I just needed to get my high. I didn't care about the consequences. I just needed to get it done. And then I remember coming to towards the end of the event and I had a conversation with Eric over the phone and you know he had said that he had all my bags packed and uh, when I finally returned back to Phuket after this trip I had all my bags packed I was he essentially told me that I couldn't stay uh, in our apartment that we were staying and I had to go stay with At a friend's place, he was away and I could room over there and he basically told me that I needed to go get help and support because he can't be the one processing all the emotions and figuring this stuff out and how to heal myself and understand this. And that's when I realized um, that, yeah, I've never really had a healthy relationship with sexuality or uh romantic or intimate relationships in fact I was terrified of it um and Eric's been in you know 12-step programs for years and years and years by the time so he began to see something in me that I could not see for myself he saw you know the uh addictive patterns yeah. like I never identified with you know um alcoholism or um, any like drug abuse because maybe that was just not available for me in my um, Muslim household but the sexual escapism was like I saw that in family members um, I remember that Going into fantasy land <laughs> was a very consistent thing. I would, like, fantasize having a boyfriend that would tend to my every fucking need. And, like, this, like, Prince Charming rescue um kind of fantasy was very prevalent in my childhood because I was not getting those needs met by my parents. So i go into fantasy land to feel what that feels like, right? It served me in a way. But then in adulthood and real-life relationships, that stopped working. And for the first time, I could, I could see all the dysfunction, the selfishness behind it. And he actually led me to one of my first, like, SLAA meetings um, out in Phuket. And then we both they both agreed that we needed to take some time apart from each other. And that meant that I had to move back to Singapore. And he was ending his contract in Thailand. So he was going to spend some couple of months in the UK coaching one of his fighters. And (laughs) so I didn't want to do this, but I was, I guess I was like forced to do so, right? Like all these realizations are crashing down on me. I thought that um, sex bender was my rock bottom, but actually the rock bottom was even after like, I've created this dumpster fire (laughs) of a life around me. I remember he was, we were having dinner. It was the week that I was going to finally leave and move back. Things were finally settling. You know, he's calmed down in his emotions. And I am starting to realize things. I remember just in front of him, just in front of him, he had dropped me off to the place that I was staying and then I got a text message from this dude and I opened it right in front of him. Like, this compulsion that I needed to stay in communication of these people that I think are into me, right? Mm-hmm. And I did it in front of him. That was the wrong part of He was like, Azima, we just had this huge fucking, like, blowout and you're literally going to move back to your home because this relationship has failed. And... <laughs> but you're still entertaining this? Like, What? And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> that was my rock bottom when I had already destroyed everything and I'm still like yeah. trying to get that fixed. You know, that was my rock bottom. And then oh my god, the the heartbreak and that and <laughs> realizing that oh shit, I'm not who I thought I was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and when I went back to Singapore, I made it a point to not want to like distract myself by like scrambling to find work and this and that um and so (laughs) it was like two three months in Singapore where week after week I would just attend meetings (laughs) attend meetings like five days a week um and maybe did like jujitsu on a couple days and you know, that's where I began to share a a lot about like my healing process too. But it was through those meeting rooms that I to finally use my voice around this topic, right? Uh, In connecting to my yoni, I remember one of the nights where I was just so beaten up and depressed, that I'm finally, you know, I'm back here in my childhood home after thinking that I built such an amazing life for myself, living in paradise in fucking Thailand. And now I'm back in this childhood home. And I remember just laying in bed crying because every part of my body just wanted to escape this. Yeah. Every part of my body wanted to just hit up some dude to like, you know, maybe give me some sexual attention so that I could feel good for myself. But I also knew that, like, it's not going to make me feel better. I just knew it. I just knew it, right? So all I was left with was just raw-dogging this fucking emotional experience. And (laughs) that was for the first time. I remember just, like, laying there crying. And for the first time I ever felt, like, my womb space... Just like kind of throb, yeah. As if it was communicating to me. I remember what it said. It said, "Just stay here. You've forgotten about me all this time. Just stay here." And I put my hands in that sacral chakra area and just held it and just cried with it and just be with it. And it's like, oh shit, this is this is where it's at. This is where I get to grow. This is this the relationship that I get to. Um, deepen now because I spent all this time escaping it and you know it's those recovery rooms where I finally could speak about these things where all my life I couldn't right? growing up yeah. in a Muslim Asian household this is a completely taboo topic when I had my period it was never even like talked about I was completely unprepared I didn't know what the fuck was going on and suddenly When I'm bleeding, I'm disconnected from God. I'm not allowed in the mosque. I'm not allowed to say send prayers. It's like this split of like, Mm. what the fuck? Um, And so that was the first time I could even like talk about it. And the more that I heard experiences and people's relationship through their own recovery from um, sexual compulsion or even sexual denial, I saw a lot of myself in them and it didn't matter that we were all from different backgrounds right because one of the great things about these 12-step programs is they talk about your own experience of a higher power and that was just so helpful for me because it gets to be my own experience instead of what I thought um you know, connection to God had to be from the organized religion lens. Um, there was a lot of shame and punishment attached to it. And for the first time, I could have a relationship with my higher power that is true to my own experience. Yeah. You know, and oh, that changed everything for me because then I began to see these messages from my body, right, when I'm experiencing those, like, sensations in my womb, when, I, when I'm experiencing heaviness in my chest, when I'm experiencing tightness in my throat, I began seeing that as, like, the divine working through me, like, speaking to me, like, what needs my attention, um, these parts of me that I've been running away from all my life finally coming up to the surface where I can, like, hear them and listen. Because uh, all my life I've been running away from them. And now it's finally time for me to fucking listen.
0: And that really, um, sorry. Yeah, now no, you can't. That really, um, that really makes it a gift, you know? Oh. And it, those, those signals that we receive from our body, uh, from our soul, from our intuition which you know there's sometimes they're coming from our ancestors you know sometimes I don't know why I just said it that way ancestors (laughs) ancestors sometimes they're coming from the divine sometimes they're coming from within but those are all things that in so many people's for me for so many years they were just in my fucking way and I just wanted them to stop right? Because that tightness in my throat, like me literally losing my voice right before I'd need to have set a boundary or had this conversation, usually with myself even, right? Or the experience I had with my menstrual cycle growing up that it was painful and it was horrific. And I was put on hormonal birth control at 14 because that was the only option that was available. And, you know, I can look back at that period in my life and go, that was a real rejection of the feminine. Oh. Because I felt safe as a tomboy and as I moved into puberty and all the girls around me were growing into this quite stereotypical feminine expression and that I just didn't have that like that was not who I was and I felt so yeah. lost, And you know, and you can see all of these, these things, all of these things that we've suppressed, all of these things that we've tried to control all of the things we've tried to numb through drugs or alcohol or sex or watching tv i mean there's a million ways that we cut ourselves off and numb when you reach this point as you did with actually going like oh this is actually god speaking to me this is actually the universe taking my hand and leading me gently sometimes sometimes it's like (laughs) bending you over and like you know spanking you hard or kicking your ass right like universe leads me from both directions it pulls me gently along and it gets behind me and gives me a big old shove sometimes right (laughs) but to be able to start to receive that as a gift and to then for you To recognize that we are, we are the divine, that that disconnect between spirit and human is a made-up thing.
1: Uh
0: And to begin to embrace that. Like that moment can be, I think, certainly in my experience both terrifying like this pressure that i was like oh my god i'm a physical representation of the divine like okay like what
1: oh shit
0: oh shit right like absolutely and oh my god i'm a physical representation of the divine like (laughs) fafo right like let's Mm -hmm. so when you're working with people now yeah because I imagine like, obviously this is how I ended up with you was that I found you right at a point where that relationship was about to, to deepen yet again. And it's funny when you were talking about rock bottoms, because a friend sent me a meme this week that was like, turns out rock bottom has a basement.
1: (laughs) And I was like, yeah, right.
0: Like, cause every time you think you're at your rock bottom You're like, oh, no, (laughs) I can be even more of an asshole. Like, well, hold my beer and watch this. (laughs) But the flip side of that is that our connection to ourselves and to our lovers and to our intimate relationships and to God and to family and to nature and to Mother Earth and to all of those things, that also has a basement. And every time mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, I've gone as deep as I can go, <laughs> I have another dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So when you're working with the clients mm-hmm. who, you know, sometimes I'm sure come to you and they're like, help me move better. I'm tired of my low back hurting, you know? <laughs> and then three or four sessions in they're like, My my vagina is talking to me and I don't know how to listen because I've just realized like I've never heard it. And I'm and then they're scared they're uh-huh. scared. They're so scared. Yeah. Uh-huh. How do you walk them through that? Like what what do you offer to them in that moment from your own experience? As a bit of a yeah. it's you know, you're not trying to fix it because you can't yeah. because you're just like this is going to suck for a little bit and I don't know when it's going <laughs> to stop sucking, right? Cuz that's, that's we can't promise anything. Yeah. But what do you tell yourself? And what what do you say to others who are in that moment of understanding that this next stage where they actually have to take incredibly radical responsibility for all their choices, the shitty ones and the good ones, but mm-hmm. they're like, God, I don't know. Maybe I'll just go back to how it's been. What What do you say to them?
1: Well, what's coming to mind and this quote is just like, been like <laughs> running around in my head and like, knowledge without experience is just philosophy right so yeah. i can read all the things about like healing and all this stuff um and you know i could spit it out word for word perfectly all yeah. the books and you know healing books from uh body keeps a score to fucking uh whatever else <laughs> you know but You only heal through experiencing it and being with it. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, understanding the nervous system. Imagine you want you're 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 trying to fucking build a house, right? And you're building a house, let's say that house is you and your internal relationship to yourself. Would it be (laughs) how would it feel like if you're trying to build this house for yourself to live in? inside of you, your home. Um, and there's an angry mob with like <laughs> fucking sticks, flaming pitchforks, and Molotov cocktails. Just saying, you know, being really mean, like, fuck that. How, it's going to be shitty. You're a shitty person. Um, mm. You're not deserving of whatever, blah, 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 blah. Right. And that's our inner committee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm really familiar with the angry mob okay now but what how different would the experience be as you're rebuilding the house when the inner community committee is supportive is being really gentle Uh, oh shit you hurt your thumb trying to um put the nail in the wall uh you know maybe you should take a little break and you know give yourself a little treat and then come back to it when you're ready Right. What if that committee was supportive and loving towards you? Oh fuck, you're you're tired. You haven't slept in, you haven't slept properly in X amount of days. Why don't you take it easy? Just spend like 30 minutes building the house and then go ahead and take care of yourself in a different way. We don't have to worry about this. Come yeah. back to it when you're ready. Right. So creating that space of safety <laughs> ultimately. Right. Where um as a coach i come from this place of neutrality all the time um, yeah there's no good bad right or wrong because all those things are just interpretations and those interpretations usually come from stories in the past um that we took on as as truth but they're not really truth <laughs> right um and if you know, we come across interpretations that are disempowering. Yeah. (laughs) I get to remind themselves that they get to also choose an interpretation that is more empowering, right? Bringing them the power of choice again, right? Whenever there's a circumstance that comes up, right? Maybe it's a time, money, uh, space whatever the circumstance may be um, having them see that they are bigger than these circumstances right the circumstances do not define them Mm -hmm. maybe sometimes that would mean I ask them of a lived experience that they've had By which they were able to transcend the The, circumstances that are in the way and got that shit done anyway. Right. Um, Essentially giving them the ability to see that they do have choice in this. Yeah. Right. Stepping into personal responsibility and being the creatrix of my life I also get to see where I am creating my own suffering and my own pain and oftentimes that's a you know unconscious choice that I make that I want to stay in this state of oh I just don't know myself and um, because it's familiar um, yeah yeah and and it's familiar for a long time um that comfortability felt safe and then it got to a point where it just you kind of outgrow it but you first have to acknowledge (laughs) that yeah that is there right first acknowledging that it's there um and then bringing compassion to those parts so that that inner community committee is a supportive one as you're building this house and from that state of like (laughs) Of a system safety, that's where you know new neural pathways begin to form. Yeah, right. As I am, you know, being gentle with myself in my internal dialogue, whatever that comes my way from the outside, right? Like a maybe comment from a relative or a family member. That's the same thing, (laughs) or like a colleague (laughs) or whatever. Like it gets to go through the filter of my own interpretations. And if I am coming from this place of like radical self compassion,
0: yeah,
1: I'm not gonna like take on negative comments as truth. I'm able to kind of see where it's not in alignment with my truth that I am worthy of the things that I desire, I am worthy of this deep connection with myself and my body and it's reclamation of it and it almost it's almost like it rolls past me or you know oftentimes when I'm able to meet myself where my body has held so much shame um and pain so I'm able to meet myself there in my stories, of in my past experiences of like sexual trauma, where I had been vulnerable, and I didn't have the tools to stand up for myself. um, When people come at me with their own pain stories, right, their projections of like how they think I should be or how I should show up as, like I get to see their pain. And then, yeah. Because I've witnessed that within myself that I'm able to have compassion for this person. Even if he or she is showing up in abrasive ways, Mm. Like I get to still have compassion for them. Um, And not necessarily needing them to change or show up different in a way for me to be compassionate to them. And that will be uh, conditional or transactional but and yeah. just showing up in love first coming for myself and then that just kind of rippling into whoever that I meet whoever that I may trigger and the funny thing is when I come from this place of love and radical fucking self-compassion it's very rare that like hate comes my way Sure, yeah. I have some like you know, funky people, time to time. But then it's almost like other people who are also kind of leaning into this yeah, path or direction just suddenly come out of the woodworks. Yeah, I they hate. do. Like, <laughs> hey, I've been exploring this too. I didn't have anyone to talk about it. So I'm yeah. glad you're sharing about it. Cause now I can talk to you about these struggles xyz um you know and that's because i you know then now you're coming from an authentic place and then people you know you're essentially taking your heart out into the world this big bleeding heart essentially saying hey this is me take me as i am do what you will with it yeah but this is me and i'm not trying to cover that up with whatever filters and glitter and whatever nice stuff right and that actually leads attracts <laughs> another person on a similar path I'm like hey shit me too man yes and I think <sighs> that
0: when I really your imagery for anyone who's just listening to this on the podcast even if you just go watch a little bit of this video her like they're coming out of the woodwork you know like these people that are just they just start to it's like they show up out of nowhere in like the strangest (laughs) ways possible these connections Mm -hmm. that we make and what for me what is so important about finding those people who understand the process that you are committed to is that when you offer them your big beautiful beating heart And you're like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. They also understand that that moment when you're like, this is who I am. That's not who you're going to be in six months. It's not who you're going to be in a year. And to have been able to have these relationships with women in particular over the last couple of years in these deeply intimate friendships, which I haven't had until late in my 30s and my 40s because I don't have an expectation about the longevity of the relationship because the relationship is with another woman who is as radically committed to her authentic expression as I am and understanding that in the moment those expressions get along really well but that they might not in the future and when i say get along i don't mean that they're gonna fight and that there's this dissolution into like chaos i mean that can happen but just that you know so much of these relationships is about allowing space for growth and i mean this is where monogamy and marriage really does fall down is this like when you think about people that get married in their early 20s like who the fuck are you in your early twenties compared to who you are in your forties? Like you don't know anything. You're a baby. I'm still a baby. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's where redefining that commitment to the self, which I think for women in particular feels very selfish. You know, we're taught to put everybody above us all the time and self-compassion. It sounds lovely but it's really fucking hard it's actually incredibly hard Mm -hmm. and and even harder for me has been being able to wrap my head around first in this like intellectual and emotional way and then bring it into a physical expression of the fact that that needs to be a both and I can both have self-compassion and I can have boundaries
1: Mm -hmm.
0: with myself I can both have compassion for others and be like i'm sorry that you're feeling this way i can see your pain i can see your trauma story i can see where you are coming from right now and uh-huh. i need you to fuck off <laughs> right like because yes because of that commitment to ourself that we've made it all gets not easier, like that's not the word I want to use because, well, I don't know about oh. you, but like in my experience, the work actually doesn't ever get easier. <laughs> no. But I get better at doing it despite my resistance because I know what the payoff is. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just realized like I've pretty much completely forgotten that we're on a podcast. <laughs> like I'm just, this is just like our normal conversation. So I'm just like <laughs> sitting here talking to you. And then I'm having this moment of like, oh, yeah, like at some point I have to (laughs) remind, like remind myself where I actually am. But this
1: is how it goes. And this is is the value of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. to what you were saying about like that balance between self-compassion and boundaries, too. But like. I feel like boundaries are also built on compassion. Yeah. right? Right. Like if I. You know, in my relationship to myself and other people, when I set boundaries, it's it's not this, like, spiky, prickly fence where you're going to get electrocuted. It's, it's a declaration that this relationship is sacred. Yeah. My relationship to me is sacred. And I deserve to be treated as such. Or I will not settle for anything less than being treated as sacred. And I'm not settling for you showing up in anything less than your sacredness. Where I stand in you, the highest version of yourself, right? And yeah, it's, it's always funny when, you know, I come across memes or... (laughs) <laughs> stuff on Instagram about like boundaries and it's like this like angry like I'm <sighs> gonna cut motherfuckers off, eighty sixteen people. Um, when it's like this air of like aggression and anger towards it, I'm like, hmm, that is interesting. Yeah,
0: and I, I <sighs> do you think that's because I think look because I do a lot of work with my clients around boundary setting and uh-huh. the the common experience that most of them have. And when I run workshops or facilitate things around this, people come up to me afterwards and they're like, oh, so I thought I had really good boundaries, but like, I don't like when we actually talk about what it looks like to allow our boundaries to be violated and the relationship, a lot of people haven't given consideration to is the boundaries with themselves. So for me, like things like I'm going to go to sleep at this time tonight or I'm going to make sure I drink enough water or I'm going to have that conversation with someone or I'm going to spend two hours doing this or that. And then I'm just like, Meh, and I don't do it right And that that self-betrayal. But oh. do you think that the reason so much boundary work is presented as this like because. When I when I am in an, an, an when I am embodying. Anger which anger for me is always fear or sadness underneath. Like it's never actually fucking anger, right? Like I'm always scared or I'm always sad. Like that's where it comes from or rage. And like a big one this week, like, you know, you sent me that meme of (laughs) shaking your fist at the sky, like the righteousness, like, Oh, I'll get you. You know, (laughs) that feels safe because inherent for me, when I embody those emotions and sometimes I have to, some like the you yeah. know there's a you know, we talk, like this will be a conversation for the next episode but that embodiment of anger and like acknowledging it and sitting with it because inherent for me in the process of experiencing those emotions in my body I contract I draw myself up I puff my mm. chest out not in like a, a nice way of like ah oh, I'm fully here it's like get out of you know like my titties are gonna slap you like get out of my way you know. And I inherent in that is this building of a wall. And do you think that's why people do that? Do you think that's why so much boundary work is presented? Because coming up, like if I came to you right now and I was like, see, I'm real mad at something that you did and I'm going to tell you all about it and I'm going to shake my fist and tell you why you're wrong, which is funny to say, because I can't actually even imagine ever having to have those conversations with you. But like, fuck, we could if we had to, right? (laughs) As opposed to coming to you and going, I feel super hurt and scared and sad right now. Like even just like fake role playing this scenario with you right now, my asshole just clenched so hard (laughs) when I said like, I'm scared and hurt because like, that is my physical response to vulnerability. Whether it's clearly real or perceived is just like my sphincter just tries to hide inside my body. Uh Uh-huh. how do how do you walk people what do you do when people like i'm gonna set some boundaries and they're gonna be like this or when you feel yourself wanting to set those boundaries how do you soften into that
1: oh man yeah this maybe this is part two maybe maybe (laughs) it's a wild experience of that but um I would. I'm thinking of my own experiences in both of those, yeah. Uh, ways, right, and the result that comes from both sides. Yeah. When I'm going like, when. When I show up in the former expression of communicating my boundaries. I think I get more reactivity.
0: Mm. Right? Like a
1: whoa. Whoa. Maybe sometimes I want that. Maybe yeah. sometimes I want people to be like, oh I ain't fucking with her. Yeah, <laughs> that feels know? powerful, right? To like scare powerful. people a little bit. It does. It does on the flip side and the latter expression of boundaries mm-hmm. it's softer I don't get the same <sighs> <sighs> I don't get to get off on someone beginning being scared of me and that ego trip that I go on when yeah. someone is like oh, oh Azima is not someone to fuck with instead I get a like I don't know, it feels a little bit more grounded. Yes, a little bit scarier because it's like, oh, shit, this person knows my why behind why Mm -hmm. I need to have these boundaries. This person gets to see me in my vulnerability. (laughs) (laughs) This person now knows what I'm afraid of and this person now knows, you know, what doesn't feel safe for me. And, you know... It's a lot more risky, right? Because now you know what can hurt me, you know what yeah. ha- could potentially hurt me, and you might take that as ammo for next time. Um, yeah, they you could, know, they and can weaponize in- that. Exactly, and yeah. that's you know that's that's scary. That's a risk that I get to take uh when it comes to vulnerability, but. On the other side of that is also a depth of understanding where I come from is, um, you know, there's also a possibility that this person, after knowing and seeing me in this vulnerable state, um, sees me fully yeah. <laughs> and knows how to communicate or show up to me in a way that is supportive of my process if you know we're in a space where we're co-creating something together right if we're working together and we're working on building a project together like i would want to know how to communicate to you or show up in a way that is supportive for you i don't necessarily want to you know feel like i have to step step on eggshells around you yeah. so i think that's 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 a difference in you know what it creates i will look at what it creates in either way and it's neither of it's wrong or bad it just creates different um outcomes and sometimes it's it's fun to 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 get people like whoa how did i do that sometimes in jujitsu too if like you know i you know a fucking uh muscle boy who (laughs) thinks he could just come around on these mats and you know uh Outstring girls on the mat. It's, you know, my boundaries in that would be to fuck them up. Yeah. <laughs> but then I also notice that they avoid me all the time. Because <laughs> <see that> right
0: <laughs> they know that you're going to fuck like, them up. Okay. I love yes. it. <laughs> and that sometimes, you know, it's fun. But what you just said about, you know, this process of in relationship like you and i just in the time that you've known you known you known each other
1: okay.
0: like i've shared things with you i've shown you all all the unhealed wounds that i'm still carrying and I carry those with the awareness that some of them are never going to like this, this concept I had of healing and fixing and being done with certain things. I'm old <laughs> enough now to been, I've been in this game long <laughs> enough to be like, oh, that doesn't happen. Because every time they scab over, someone like fucking ricks the scab off, usually me, you mm-hmm. know, like it's, but. To show you all those ways that you could hurt me, to share with you my deepest, darkest secrets and my vulnerabilities and the things that scare me and the areas where I'm playing small and the areas where I'm still hiding. And I'm, you know, scared of myself, of my power or whatever it is to to like give the I've given those to you on this platter. And I'm like, here's all the ways you could really hurt me. And you don't you don't do that. You don't use that. There's a, a level of trust that then develops in that relationship that can't happen I don't think without those moments of vulnerability you know and this doesn't (laughs) you know and this is where it's so interesting because like I know that there's things there's things I'm aware of that I don't share and then mostly it's just like stuff that i'm not yet aware of because again like the rock bottom has a basement so like every time <laughs> i'm like i know everything now i'm like oh my god right you just start unpacking it's like you pull the next box down from the shelf in this deep dark basement and start like looking at shit from your childhood and then you get through that one and you're like oh now i gotta talk about my grandma's oh no you know and like you just you just keep doing the work just keep doing the work yeah indeed
1: <laughs> until you're until,
0: yeah yeah, until you draw a card that says, no, stop, don't, wait, postpone. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> but the beauty of it, too, oh, there's just, man, you can, like, share all the dark shit with, like, people that, you know, you trust to share all the dark shit, and what comes out of it sometimes is just these fucking deep belly laughter oh, and man. cackling. Her, <laughs> the absurdity of some of our experiences, some of our mother's experiences, our grandmother's experiences and how fucking absurd (laughs) how some of these lived human experiences are and how much fucking medicine it is to just laugh about it, right? You're like going into these dark crevices of your fucking soul (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then bringing so much lightness to it yeah. and you know like we talk about all this like shadow work and integration of all of those things and we always think of it as this like oh well oh, oh. <laughs> this <laughs> process and I like I don't know I have this image of Eeyore <laughs> just going through a cave
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly it doesn't have to be that way all the fucking time no you need some tigger in there too exactly that's why you know fucking I love comedy uh yeah. I love dark comedy <laughs> too lie. because of that um yeah. there's just so much medicine in that unfolding um and that's why when we do like any like healing work it's really important to have people around you yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know on similar paths you know in different stages of their path yes um you know and that's what i love uh gets emphasized in 12-step programs and I don't think that 12-step programs are the end-all and be-all stuff if you're healing from addiction recovery but like um, the 12-step just also talks about you know being yeah. of service to others and how you know that's I feel like that should be the foundation of society <laughs> just yeah. like serving other people and yeah. sharing your experiences because those lived experiences hold so much wisdom way more than any books and very neatly put together lines through all different kinds of filters and um, (laughs) processes to make things look good and acceptable in the world is the experiences that's the real shit yes (laughs) it is
0: I'm going to I'm going to cut us off because (laughs) I know we I have no I don't even know how long we've been talking I didn't actually (laughs) I could be like oh it's like a four-hour episode look I'm like Joe Rogan already yeah go me Um, (laughs) this conversation as we promised at the beginning this is just a starting point because there's so much more yeah unpack. (laughs) like there's so like (laughs) I had like not a list like I had a mental list of some things Uh I wanted to I haven't talked about like any of them I don't think but this is how the medicine comes to us yeah you know and this conversation has been medicine for me Mm -hmm. I'm sure it will be medicine for people who are listening yeah but now I need to put my podcast brain on for a second and for the people who are listening to this and going, holy shit, I need to work with this woman. <laughs> How can they do that? What's the best place to find you? What have you got going on? I know you're running some in-person women's circles right now that I cannot attend because you live clear on the other side of the world and I actually get like a real flash of resentment every time you post about oh, it Oh no! Like, like not bad way like just like envy because I just so want to be there like I just so want to be a part of it oh. but whatever you send me funny memes so you know I'll take that instead exactly and we send each other very long whatsapp messages that I'm like oh it's like a little we mini do. podcast episode that I've just sent and I oh I'm here for it but how can people find you how can they work <laughs> with you what's going on
1: All right, so you can find me on Instagram. Most of my communication goes on through there. My Instagram is at I am dot mighty light, and mighty light is actually the English translation of my name Nur Azima, which is in Arabic. Hence, um, (laughs) my mission. Anyway, um, you are a
0: mighty light.
1: It's uh, thank when, you. when you changed your
0: Instagram name and then explained what that meant. I was like, yeah, this is perfection.
1: <laughs> and I work with people one-on-one. Um, I have two offerings right now. One is movement medicine, which is a 10-week journey into your body, <laughs> into your body's wisdom.
0: That's what um, I do. The
1: same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might include wiggles, Lots of wiggles. and floor smearing. If you want know what that is, Fafo. <laughs> <laughs> and Deeper is a 12 week one on one intensive as well, where we get deeper into your emotions and the stories that your emotions um, have to tell you about. Getting to you, it's a process in self intimacy and a deepening in your relationship to yourself as you navigate various life challenges anything and everything (laughs) so that's how you can reach me that those are the ways that you can work with me but if you're in san diego i do host monthly women's circles it's called things your mama don't want you talking about (laughs) it's free open format (laughs) you can talk about literally whatever um it's a sharing space as inspired by the lovely spaces I have been through twelve step programs. But then um it's also inspired because in those programs sometimes there were things that I was not allowed to talk about. And yeah. so this is one where I'm allowed to talk about all those things, everything from really, really diving into topics of like sex and pleasure and intimacy and all those things which these other rooms would consider as triggering. Uh, for people but yep. we're there to specifically open ourselves to being triggered yeah <laughs> which is lovely
0: it is <laughs> when we're safe when we're safe you know exactly
1: Exactly. okay
0: um, we don't know shit about fuck <laughs> <laughs> we don't know
1: shit about fuck oh one more thing if you're in San Diego and you're looking for a place to train jiu-jitsu uh, brown belt in jiu-jitsu and i teach the women's classes out in victory mma so hit me up too. amazing come through and roll with us
0: <laughs> i will put links to all of that information in the show notes so that people can awesome. find you and find out about what you're doing thank you 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 from the bottom of my heart um i love talking to you talking to me on the too, podcast has been such a treat oh there'll be more there'll be so many more <laughs> um and then we're, we're gonna choose a intermediary destination that we can both move to so that we're not on the opposite <laughs> sides of
1: the world Yep, <laughs> <laughs> it's my five-year plan okay don't laugh at it thank it's you megan <laughs> right. for having me on this and um yeah letting me share so freely and for seeing me through all of this so I really appreciate you and it was my pleasure to come on here <laughs>
0: I see you I am deeply grateful for your presence in my life and I love you
1: I love you, you
0: okay <laughs> I know I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the recording so that both will <laughs> be emotional off camera thanks everybody for tuning in to Sisters in Stoke and I will see you next time Thank you so much for tuning in to Sisters in Stoke. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends. If you or somebody you know would be an excellent Stokes person, feel free to get in touch. All of the information you need is in the show notes. Until next time, I'm your host, Megan Burks, reminding you to find your Stoke.